Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. After an exhausting first two months of 2016, March has at last arrived. But has it put a spring in the step of FX investors? Is some of the upbeat US data enough to drive the dollar higher? Is the divergence train back on track? And is the market about to reprice the Fed's rate cycle? Or is the negative sentiment of January and February going to be the prevailing mood for the rest of the year? I'm Roger Blitz and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast on the FX market. And joining me this week is Matthew Cobon of the investment firm Columbia Threadneedle. Matthew, welcome. Let's look back first in order to understand how we go forward. From your perspective, what really actually happened at the start of the year, you know, to turn in the market into such a bear pit of worry? Well, clearly, we've come in on the back of a Fed rate hike. And I guess the market was expecting that growth divergence trade to continue. But the data proved to be somewhat uh, elusive and somewhat weaker than expected. Mm. Coupled with the fact there was you know, a lot of uncertainty around what was going on in China and the Chinese policy reaction. So I think you saw a capitulation on a lot of sort of risk assets, um, a lot of issues in the credit markets, and suggestions that global growth was yet again going to be weaker. They all transpired, I think, to provide a you know, heightened sense of volatility uh, and a heightened sense of, of gloom. And, and that's why we really ended up that period pricing out pretty much all the divergence from the US side. So to some extent, was the market in a bit of denial towards the end of the year and reality started hitting home? I think that, To the end of last year, I mean. I think there was some, I think there's definitely some sort of delayed reaction with mm. regards to what the Fed uh, was doing in, in the sense that you were also experiencing weaker data. So the Fed start off their rate hiking sort of cycle just as the data turns over. And I think the market had you know, some difficulty dealing with that. At the same time, China was, you know, the uncertainty surrounding China and regional EM that was once again indigestible for markets. Is there a time in the last, I don't know, five or maybe 10 years, which this feels like, this kind of denial followed by deep, harsh reality? Trying to put aside the 2008, but... Uh... Well, to some extent, it does have some sort of throwback to the sort of 2007, 2008 period. Right. Not necessarily in terms of the same drivers, yeah. but we went through a period then when we had some pretty aggressive sell-offs in markets mm. and everything felt quite bad. And we knew that there were issues out there that we had to deal with. We knew about the subprime issue. Mm. Only then to be dealt with you know, massive rallies in, in sentiment and markets. Very quick uh, moves back to the sort of top of ranges. And it felt, you know, somewhat schizophrenic then. It feels somewhat similar <laughs> now. We know the issues that the market has to deal with. It's one of lower global growth more generally. It's one of high debt as a globe. And it's also one of what is China going to do to its monetary policy mm. and currency mix? And how will that affect the rest of the world? Yes. So that's the start of the year. The last few weeks have been, what would you describe it, a period of calmness or slowing down? What, do, what, do, what does this period of calmness mean? Is it perhaps a pause before the resumption of hostilities or something, I don't know, a bit like a ceasefire that heralds a bit more peaceful, calmer times to come? Well, I think we have to take stock of where we got to. So we got to a point where 
Fed rate hikes have been priced out to 2018. Yeah. So the whole sort of divergence trade, if you like, had been completely priced out, and the EM sort of worries were pretty significant. So I think what's happened since then is, you know, the data in the U.S. continues to show a very tight labor market. We've seen some increasing wage pressures in the U.S., and the likelihood is that we continue to see easing coming out of the ECB and further easing out of the Bank of Japan. So to that extent, maybe the, you know, the divergence trade is, is set to reoccur for a while, and we see the dollar react a little bit stronger. In the back of the market's mind, however, mm. is still those longer-term issues that I've just mentioned. So I expect 2016 to continue to be somewhat schizophrenic, bipolar, manic periods followed by deep depressions. I suppose it's quite difficult for a market that's got used to a mindset of the January and February oscillation between risk-on and risk-off to get out of that mindset and to you know, take a different path. Yeah, it, well, the market sort of loses its anchor and it loses its narrative and it becomes difficult for sort of long-term strategic thinkers to express views. It's also difficult for short-term traders who kind of get, you know, sort of stopped in and out of markets all the time to express views as well. So we've been through those periods before. They are indigestible mm. to many, but I think that the likelihood is I don't expect to see significant trends in one direction only for the remaining... It's going to be a pretty directionless year, perhaps. I think there could be plenty of movement, plenty of volatility. Yes. Where we end up in all of this, I think, really is going to be determined by you know, those big picture things, what China does with its yes. currency, yes. how that affects global inflation trends, and, you know, whether the US is closer to the end of its economic cycle than a lot of people, perhaps the Fed included, currently think. What does this market's mentality mean when you have big data numbers approaching? We have payrolls approaching. I mean, on the argument of the US economy, there is some very good, very positive data out there. But in this market mood, you tend to focus perhaps on the negative and, and you can make the case either way for what the data means, if you're so inclined. Yeah, so there's been continued to be this sort of focus on the employment situation and the wage situation and the rest of the economy and the service versus manufacturing sector. Clearly, the manufacturing sector globally is you know, mm. close to or in a recession. The big question for the market is, does that infect the service sector? And, you know, in terms of where we are in the unemployment cycle, are we, you know, do we continue to see those strong gains or not? My personal opinion is we're still likely to see some pretty strong prints on that front from the US. And the fact that it's now feeding through into some of the sort of broader inflation measures perhaps means that that divergence can start to reoccur, reappear mm. in markets. So a stronger dollar abasing in commodity prices. But I'm very nervous about China and the renminbi for the remaining remainder of the year. So at some point, that is the bigger force and that overtakes this. That's why I can't sit here and say strategically the dollar's going up for the rest of the year. It's almost like how many hikes can the Fed get past before those big major moments happen? I mean, obviously, March is not going to happen, but June could happen. And then on a quite short term basis, the Fed takes stock, it, you know, it looks at one month, can it get further? And then it looks whether those major you know, implosions happen. We haven't mentioned oil. And again, are we past that? Is, is at least one of the great hurdles of uh, or great concerns of the market beginning to fade away? It's difficult to say. I think that we're definitely in a better sort of position now in terms that bad news for the oil market doesn't seem to affect no. the oil price yep. as badly as it, as mm. it did. So it looks as if we're becoming more in balance in terms of US production being cut. There's clearly a huge inventory overload still to deal with, and the relationship with the dollar is always you know, clearly going to, going to be there. Mm. So it feels like we are going through a bottoming 
process, which hand in hand with sort of higher wage pressures in the US could, I think, facilitate a reaction from the Fed. Do I have confidence that post, you know, perhaps one hike that they continue the hiking cycle? I have very little confidence in that because I do think overwhelming deflationary force in the world is what happens in China. Yes. So you wouldn't be surprised, perhaps, of a June hike, but then beyond that, you wouldn't go much further. I think June is potentially live, assuming the data continues to prove, you know, print relatively strongly and illustrate there's not a huge amount of capacity left in the US economy. But I'm not very confident, you know, predicting that we see a full scale cycle here. Hence, I think, you know, as a dollar bull, I'm a tactical dollar bull, Mm. whereas I spent the last two years being a strategic dollar bull. Yes, just go into that a little bit more. It's effectively horizons, isn't it, coming shorter, is it? Definitely the horizons coming shorter, and partially that's because we've already seen a pretty decent move in the dollar, but also the way the dollar you know, is affecting US economic performance, the way the dollar has affected the rest of the globe in terms of sort of ability to service debt valued in dollars, and you know where China is in its economic cycle. All of these things, I think, are interrelated. Mm. Everything that we've talked about really is kind of related and part of the big questions that are out there. And I think that there's plenty of room for the dollar to move against certain things. The Rimby would be one of those now, I think, mm. to catch up with the sort of 25, 30% move that we've seen in other currencies. The big question, though, is how does the rest of the world react to that? Yes. When you move towards a more tactical portfolio strategy, does that mean you end up holding contrarian positions? Well, it certainly means that you can, you know, take contrarian positions as part of your... I suppose when I meant contrarian, I meant positions that, on the face of it, look illogical against each other. So you might be long EM as well as long dollar yuan. Yeah, so, you know, again, it's so down to time horizon. Yeah. Uh, the way our portfolio is structured at the moment is that in the near term, we think that certain EM currencies that have been battered by the last couple of months' price mm. action could offer some value here and do relatively well. But at the same time, the longer term issues for China aren't going away. They're easing monetary policy domestically. How does that allow them to maintain a relatively strong currency when you have $100 billion of outflows every month? That's a a very much an unanswered question. So absolutely, it means you can kind of run those two strategies together. Clearly, only one of those will work at any point in time. And the key to successfully sort of navigating that, I think, is, you know, changing the weights between those two views or eliminating one of those views as and when is necessary. Uh, and a willingness to get out as fast as you've got in some of these positions. Well, that's the, that's the <laughs> positive thing about currency markets. They're at least somewhat liquid relative to other strategies. <laughs> We've got uh, the ECB meeting next week. What are your expectations on that? And has something changed in the market's uh, approach to the euro with Brexit around on the horizon? More and more people are asking, looking at the possible impact of Brexit not just on sterling, but on the euro as well. So I think there's two separate questions there. But with regards to next week, we do expect further monetary easing from the ECB. The markets are obviously dealing with the shock of the BOJ easing policy and the market reaction being you know, wholesalely negative. Mm. Now, the question for the markets, I think, was, was that just bad timing and bad luck? Mm. Or was it something more sinister? And so the ECB, I think, will be focusing on a market response that hopefully doesn't look too bad upon the banks, which is their primary sort of transmission mechanism for credit, but at the same time generates the monetary response that they're after, which, you know, part of that will be a weaker euro. Problem, of course, is that we get considerable more policy for Japan and Europe in terms of weakening their currencies. China is going to face some 
issues there and mm. uh, you know and again the story remains intact it's one big story but uh, it occurs over lots of different times yes indeed just finally matthew so we talked about the first two months so just wind forward to the next two months short of you know some major shock announcement would you conclude therefore that fx trading is going to be fairly the price action is going to be within range in amongst say the, the majors and that we will continue to get this general sense of not much happening i think there's potential for markets to continue to rebound a little bit i think it would be our expectation to see an element of dollar strength related to us monetary policy outperformance in the mm. short run maybe a little bit of uh, continued respite for emerging markets but you know this has a shelf life of months or yeah. weeks rather than quarters and years indeed my thanks to matthew cobon of columbia threadneedle We look forward to your company again next week for Hard Currency. In the meantime, enjoy the weekend and keep up to date with all the Forex news and analysis on ft.com forward slash markets. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy the FT's Banking Weekly. It's presented by me, Patrick Jenkins, the financial editor at the FT, and I'm joined by a team and an external guest every week. You can find this every Tuesday at ft.com slash podcasts. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.